Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DNA Football Talk podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is David. I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Anthony. Anthony, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, man. Packers got a win. Hoping to get one next week against your uh, Buccaneers. Not going to happen. If you don't have Mike Evans, at least as of right now, I know he's he's appealing his suspension, but he is. As of right now, you don't have Mike Evans, but you did pick up Cole Beasley, I saw, so maybe he can do something. But I don't really know if I like that signing, to be honest with you. Oh, but um, getting into some of the games that we saw over the weekend, what I think was the most exciting was the Dolphins and Ravens with that nice comeback by Tua. They put into bed some of the talk that he's a bad quarterback in this league. Man, I tell you what, Tua definitely pulled pulled up a comeback and uh man i mean you when you look at that offense you know yes to uh you know two has been kind of the big question mark in that offense for the last couple of years now now that he's kind of taken over you know quarterback you know there was that weird thing that was going on with him and fitz fitzpatrick there when fitzpatrick when the, was in the league it was basically like Tua played like the first three quarters and they put in ryan fitzpatrick there at the fourth quarter so you know it was just kind of weird but ever since Tua's kind of taken the reins and um you know, there was a lot of chirp. There was a lot of talk over this offseason about what it's going to be. And a lot of that talk came from Tyreek Hill. And it was positive talk on Tua, but it almost sounded like it was overly positive. You know, the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. You know, we heard all of that, especially coming from a receiver who just came off of a team with Patrick Mahomes' quarterback. You know, so hearing that was a little bit alarming. But I got to tell you something, man. This Miami Dolphins offense looks exactly how it should with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And then you got Raheem Moster in the backfield. I mean, you're talking about three game-changing speeds right there on the field at 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 your fingertips. I mean, it's got to be the best feeling ever for a quarterback. Yeah, definitely. They You got all the speed in the world on the field. You can just play your style of just backyard football, and you know it's your version of just epic. He's down there somewhere. You know, he's probably open. Like It's, it's got to be just a, a great feeling and just a relief off of two of shoulders to have weapons like that surrounded by him, you know? Yeah, and he did. And, and I mean, not to nitpick, but he did underthrow that touchdown to Tyreek Hill late in the game. But because it's Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill can make up 10 yards and I mean, in a matter of just seconds, you know? So, I mean, to, to underthrow him, maybe a little bit to slow him down a little bit, it doesn't really matter too much. And you don't really notice the, the effect of it too much because of the speed of Tyreek Hill, you know? So, I mean, but, Man, I'll tell you what, that was a lot. That was a really fun game to watch. And um, it's definitely not the game that I was expecting as far as the total outcome. I mean, 42 to 38 was a little bit high on the spectrum for what I was expecting in that game. But I mean, I was expecting more of a defensive battle. Um, but man, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, Miami came up big. Yeah. And when you when you look at it, they were they were down big to to start off the game. And all of a sudden, they just start roaring back. The defense clamps down a little bit, and Tua just does his thing. I, I don't, I don't know what, what what came out of the the Dolphins at halftime, but they put on a show. Yeah, I mean they were down twenty eight to seven at halftime, and then they scored twenty eight points in the fourth quarter. I mean that's just 
insane. They they flipped it. They 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 flipped the switch on on both end of the uh, of the ball. They flipped it on defense. They they were able to make some stops that you know were some crucial stops. And then they were also able to flip it on 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 offense. So I mean, are are the Miami Dolphins a threat in the AFC? I would say so if they're clicking on all cylinders like this. Yeah, they probably feel like they can beat anybody at this point. It sure as heck looks like they can beat anyone, especially with that offense. It kind of looks like a a new Chiefs kind of two point It just seems like whatever offense Tyreek Hill is on. He is a true game changer. So the question has to be made. Is Tyree Kill the best receiver in the league? He's definitely the, the fastest and probably the best deep threat in the league. But if you're looking at the best overall complete receiver in the league as far as running the route tree, run blocking, all that good stuff, I, I'd probably still give it to Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, I can understand your bias on that. Um, so, but I mean, speaking of comeback games, there was one in particular that really kind of, I think, shocked a lot of people in the NFL world. Do you know what game I'm talking about? I would assume the Cowboys and the Bengals. The Cowboys and the Bengals, no. I'm talking about the oh. comeback game, the comeback of the century down by two possessions with two minutes to go on the clock and no timeouts left and they still pulled it out i'm talking about the 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 jets and the browns the new york jets pulled off the upset with the elf as the logo in the middle of the field in cleveland ohio the browns were up they were up 30 to 17 with two minutes to go, no timeouts. And a lot of people want to blame it on Nick Chubb. Do you blame it on Nick Chubb? Should he have sat? Should he have gone into the and, and, and scored? Because at the end of the day, they got a first down. The New York Jets had no more timeouts left. So all they had to do was get the first down, stop before the goal line, and then kneel the ball out for the rest of the game. But Nick Chubb scored a touchdown, gave the gave. Joe Flacco and the Jets the ball back and within one play they broke big for a touchdown they got the onside kick they got another touchdown and the extra point was good and that's all she wrote the the thing about that with time management and everything is you can look like an idiot on both ends of the spectrum depending how it plays out afterwards that that's the ticky tacky thing about football. Uh, you, you can sit down at the one yard line and just run more clock. And then, Oh, look, they, they got a goal line stand or, and then vice versa. And then, or if you do score right away, then you give the other team enough time to go down the field and, and do something with it. So it's, but they didn't have any timeouts left, Anthony. They well, didn't, yeah, they, they, they couldn't, have, they couldn't have stopped the clock. They, they could have ran. They could have kneeled the ball the the rest of the game. Game yeah, over. I mean, yeah, that's just poor time management at that point. I mean, if, but I mean, do you really coming from a guy who was coach of the year last year? It's Stefanski. Yeah, I mean, look, do you really blame Nick Chubb for scoring a touchdown? Though, I mean, you're up thirty to seventeen against the New York Jets in your home stadium, in front of the dog pound, 
you got that beautiful elf as the logo in the middle of the field as your motivation and you and, and, and you're you're up now 30 to 17 i don't think anyone i don't think anyone thought that they, i don't even think the jets thought that they were going to pull it off but they did well when the jets got joe flacco throwing the ball 44 times like they, they've just been getting every last drop they can out of that guy man so question for you, the Jets are currently one and one right now for the season. It's already come out that Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback for next week game. I guess Zach Wilson still isn't 100%. If they win next week and they go two and one, they, they start the year off two and one. Let's say Zach Wilson comes in for week four. And maybe he loses a couple of games. Does the Joe Flacco chance start? Do does the does the petition to bench Zach Wilson begin? Is Zach Wilson dead? Is he going to have to find a new territory to find all of his cougar friends? What's going to happen? He he might. I mean, it's a tough situation because you know you drafted the guy, and it's one of those things where it's like you know you really want him to work out, and you you might almost force it to happen in a sense because you don't want to give up on him so quickly from an organizational standpoint but if if Joe Flacco's rolling and he's he's your veteran in the locker room you know I, I would give him the reins if he's doing his thing out there the thing that I feel like people forget about Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl when Joe Flacco took the Ravens into that playoff set that year that they won the Super Bowl when they played the San Francisco 49ers he had a heck of a of like a postseason. Like his his statistics, his stats were off the charts. And a lot of people forget that because he got paid and then he fell off a cliff. And a lot of people said, well, it's because, you know, Ray Lewis retired. You know, the defense that they had just kind of it, it wasn't fully there. It wasn't at its full strength anymore. And so he got carried by that defense, which a good defense does help. I mean, Defense wins championships at the end of the day. I mm -hmm. I, am, I still am very old school in that thought. I, I think that that is the key to win the Super Bowl. You need to have a solid defense. Now, with all of that being said, I do understand that this NFL nowadays with these young quarterbacks and these ridiculously fast and game-changing speeds at wide receiver and at running back, you see, you see a faster pace game. You see a game that has more scores. You see a higher, you know, 31 to 30, kind of like what we saw with the Jets, 42 yeah. to 38 with the Miami Dolphins and, and the Ravens. You see these more higher scoring games. <clears throat> Joe Flacco was a guy, though. Like, he, he, he was a guy, and he won a Super Bowl. So if you're the New York Jets – and you have a team around you, which they don't have a bad team around them. Do that? Do you do you risk hurting your young quarterback and benching him to see if maybe you can pull off the the Cinderella story with the New York Jets? Uh, well, like I said, if he's if he's rolling, I, I say strike while the iron's hot and just keep him out there. Like he's he's putting up good numbers. Joe Flacco is not throwing a ton of interceptions heck against the against the browns he didn't throw any 307 no. and four touchdowns no picks like he, he was 
he was rolling in that game against a pretty decent defense in the Cleveland Browns. So I would say, yeah, just keep him out there and see what he does. Yeah, I mean, let let Joe cook, man. Let Joe let Joe do his thing. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That that's my that's my saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, now it will be curious to see, um, you, you know what what they do moving forward. Um, but there is something that I need to address, and just just bear with me for a minute, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I know I went on a long rant about the 49ers and Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and that whole situation by no means at all. Do I mean this with any disrespect, but Trey Lance being carted off of the field was the best thing that happened to the 49ers franchise. And I couldn't agree more because now Jimmy G is going to step back into the role that he's known for and comfortable with. And he's, he makes them an even more lethal team. I don't know why they would ever think otherwise because Jimmy G is just, he's just a winner. He knows how to manage the game and just win football games. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. And he wasn't, he wasn't even with the team the whole off season, basically. And he's still 13 of 21 for 154 yards and one touchdown. He didn't miss a single beat. He came right out there. And led the 49ers to a very comfortable win. Now, granted, it was against the Seattle Seahawks, but we saw the Seattle Seahawks push around the Denver Broncos. So, actually, no, I take that back. Seattle Seahawks got lucky with Denver. Yeah, um, they got extremely lucky. Yeah, they, they, they got extremely lucky. So, I, I retract that statement. And, again, I no one wants to see athletes hurt, period. If you do you're that's that's a messed up mindset that you have and i mean and again i mean no disrespect but honestly this might be the best thing that happened to the 49ers because now you can move forward with jimmy garoppolo and there's no awkwardness it's a this is jimmy's team because trey lance our guy is down and he's down for the season so now you just roll with Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of the year and you just see what happens. Now, my question is, this is a Super Bowl caliber team if you look at them, especially coming from a weak NFC conference that is the NFC. The only heavy hitters in the NFC are the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers. And that's it. Outside of that, it's open market. And honestly, the Eagles might be even making a push right now to be a heavy hitter in the NFC with the way that they're playing. And we'll we'll touch on what Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense has been doing the last couple weeks. But now you can roll forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. But here is the big question, and here is the here's the thing that I need to ask you, Anthony. What happens after this year? What do you think that the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, what do you think that they're going to do now? Say if they make it to the playoffs, they make it to, let's say the divisional round. Maybe they get kicked out by a good team, but they make it to the conference. They 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 win the division, they make it to the playoffs, get kicked out in the divisional round. Maybe the NFC championship. What happens? Do you move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you just say, hey, sorry? Do you just say, hey, let's let's just roll with it, or? Do you give the reins back to Trey Lance? 
it's all it all depends. I would say they would have to. I would say they have to win the whole thing for them to keep Jimmy G. If Jimmy G went out there and gave them a winning record and a run to the Super Bowl and they won the whole thing, uh, I would say, yeah, all right, Trey Lance is out. He's not it. (laughs) So you're saying that it's Super Bowl or bust for Jimmy Garoppolo to stay with the 49ers? I think that's the only thing that would swing them to even think about trading Trey Lance. Really? To, to me, yeah, because like, it goes back to the Zach. When teams draft a guy, they they care a lot more about them. They want them to work. They want them to develop and grow. But, I mean, at that point, if you've had Jimmy G and he's been in your system, and like I said, he just knows how to win football games, I don't know why you would keep him around or at least start Jim, go back to starting Jimmy G. I don't know, man. I really don't. I think this is whatever you believe in, right? We all have our beliefs, and this isn't a show to push any beliefs or anything else like that. I believe in, you know, what I believe in. Anthony, me and you have had conversations about that. We pretty much have similar beliefs. But this show isn't about that. This show is about football and entertainment. But maybe it was, you know, the the man above going, hey, 49ers, no more Trey Lance. Stop with the Trey Lance thing. Maybe this was a sign that they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, maybe Jimmy isn't the one that needs the fresh start. Oh, that's a (laughs) – say that again for the people. (laughs) Like I said, maybe Jimmy – isn't the one that needs the fresh start. Maybe this offense doesn't Ooh. work for Trey Lance. Maybe he needs somebody who fits his play style better. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not Jimmy G that needs the fresh start. That couldn't be a more accurate statement if I've ever heard of one, sir. You drop knowledge on us, and you have some one-liners that just impress me. I, I, I applaud you. Anthony for that line but uh yeah I mean maybe you're right maybe it's uh maybe it's Trey Lance that just needs kind of a a a reset button maybe go to a team maybe the New York Giants you know who knows what's going to happen with uh Daniel Jones you know Danny Dimes there you know in in New York now granted they did win their game so and it was against the Panthers um which Panthers are eh you know, I mean, they're zero and two, but the Giants are two and zero right now, and they've played the Panthers and they played the Tennessee Titans. So, what's going on with with the New York Giants? I feel like it's more it's more Saquon than anything. If you really paid attention to them, because Danny Dimes hasn't really been he really hasn't been Danny Danny Dimes. <clears throat> like, yeah, he didn't throw any interceptions against the Panthers. But he could he could barely scrape just under two hundred yards and one touchdown. But then you got Saquon, and even eh, Saquon didn't even have the greatest of games. They were just kicking a ton of field goals that game. Well, yeah, and, I mean a nineteen to sixteen score is just nothing but field goals. Yeah, at that point it was like, it, but I think their defense is really the untold story of this. I mean, when you look at it, they held the Panthers to two of twelve on third down. Like, that's that's nothing to shy about, but. No. At this point, I'd I'd like to see a little bit more out of the New York Giants. Maybe be a team that's a little bit more above average than 
than what they've gone against so far. So that, that's one of those things where it's like, uh, I'd like, I'd like to see you beat a 49ers team or even a Rams team. If you could like, well, they play the Cowboys next week. Are Cowboys with Cooper rush, uh, a, a, a good competition for them. I would say so. Just because Michael Parsons, he's a game changer on defense. Very and, much so. And if you, if, if you can shut him down and just just don't throw the ball Trayvon Diggs' way, then I think you have a good chance of winning that football game. Or throw the ball Trayvon Diggs' way because the guy gets burnt a lot of the time. It's just he just makes good plays, you know, playing the ball a little bit. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting game. That's a Monday night game in New York. So they, they got home field advantage. It's prime time. They're in their division. So they're the, usually those games can go either way. Divisional games can go either way because both teams play each other so, so well. Um, but there was a couple of divisional games that happened for the teams that we root for, Anthony. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I have to say this. It felt good to get that monkey off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backs, man. We finally beat the New Orleans Saints in the regular season in New Orleans. That is what I'm talking about. And Marshawn Lattimore, I hope you get 10 more of those blindside hits from Mike Evans just to keep you as a reminder, just to keep it as a reminder of who we really are. I'm sick and tired of the New Orleans Saints. I I can't stand them. I can't stand their fan base. So sorry if you're New Orleans fans, but I can't stand y'all. I can't stand their fan base. I can't stand their coaching. I can't stand their players. But you know what? I love their quarterback. Their quarterback is really good. I mean, at least to us. Well, at least he was to us on Sunday. He wasn't good to us the five years that he was here in Tampa. But he was dang sure good to us on Sunday. That's how I know you're happy you're breaking out that Gibson's an accent. Hey, (laughs) let me tell you what, man. Jameis Winston is going to be Jameis Winston. I just have to say it. Everyone knew it. Everyone knew. Even Devin White said that we knew who Jameis was. Yeah, and when you look at it, Brady didn't have... He didn't have a spectacular game. If anything, it was a really boring game the first half. And then that that Buccaneers defense started clicking in the second half, and it was just kind of a steamroll from that point, you know? Yeah. I mean, that Bucks defense is really kind of opening the eyes of a lot of teams right now. I'm really curious to see how they're going to look against Green Bay because it is a high-powered offense. Now, granted, they are depleted at wide receiver. So, I mean, you know, they don't have the Devontae Adams anymore out there. But they do have Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, you're, I mean you guys aren't going to be – too much better. You're going to have what? Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, Russell Gage, and Cole Beasley next week. Uh, yeah. Unless if Chris Godwin or Julio Jones comes back, which I don't know what their status is as of right now. So as far as that goes, I'd say it's a pretty fair matchup as far as all that goes. But yeah, but can I just say something? And it might it might upset some Bucks fans. It might not. But I'll take Brashad Perriman over Scotty Miller any day. No offense to Scotty Miller. He's made some great plays for us, especially in some very clutch games. But for some reason, 
the guy just can't stand up. Like, he can't run without tripping, and I just don't understand it. Like, I don't know if he's just clumsy. I don't know if he he just – because he is a fast receiver, so I don't know if he just gets too ahead of himself. I don't know what it is, but I really like Perriman. I like the connection that Perriman has with Brady. I think that they click better than, you know, the other receivers that were out there outside of Mike Evans. But I really, I really like Perriman. I mean, yeah, from what I saw, he looked, he looked really good. Like he, he, he looked like he was his favorite target down the stretch of that game. And he, he's the one that got him his one and only touchdown too. So I, I, I would take yeah. it too. It is going to be really interesting though, to see what they do this week. I wonder if they're going to be a run heavy. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be like a, a more like rely on like Leonard Fournette. Um, or if, <clears throat> I mean, it, I guess it really just depends on if Godwin or Julio Jones is going to be out there. But if either of them are out there, Jair Alexander will probably shadow him or maybe not because he, I don't think he shadows people. He just plays wherever the, the scheme is written up at, at the time of the play call. Yeah. As far as that goes, if he had it his way, he'd be shadowing the best receiver the entire game, which I don't know why he doesn't, but he should. He's 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 at a level of um skill with his coverage skills that he should be shadowing the 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 number one target no matter what. Period. But I mean in that in the game against the Bears he showed he doesn't have to be shadowing the number one receiver to make plays. Which is which is also good. But as far as how your Buccaneers did, I feel like Mike Edwards is the one that sealed that game for you with that 67 yeah. yard uh pick six mike edwards has been one of my favorite buccaneer player since he's been in the league he's always he can play both safety he can play corner he can play slot um you know he plays the nickel really well like he just <clears throat> he he moves around the defense and he's a very good asset to the, to the tampa bay buccaneers defense and he's made some big plays for us some big interceptions for us in a very key moments, and you're 100 percent right. He sealed that game against the Saints with his um, pick six against Jameis Winston there in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean it was a good game. What do you think about the whole Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore thing? Coming from a person who doesn't have any bias with it or anything like that, was it a cheap shot by Evans? It looked like one, but then they showed all the other clips, and it looked like Mike Evans got every other cheap shot on him. It looked like, but. I don't know, because when you look at it, Marshawn Lattimore was in the mix with somebody else, and then all of a sudden you just see Mike Evans running in from the sideline and just like, all right, it's go time, and just knocks him to the ground. Well, I mean, Mike Evans said it best. We have a audio of, of a clip of him, not an audio, but a clip of him where it looks like he is telling the ref, it's Tom Brady, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, he's telling the ref, like, that's my quarterback. And not only is it my quarterback, it's Tom Brady. <clears throat> I'm going to defend him. Now, I know Tom Brady started ch chirping, but that's what Tom Brady does. He yeah. always does that. He never backs down. If someone wants to say something, he's going to say something back. Marshawn Lattimore didn't, didn't like what Tom Brady said. And from what I was able to read from the mouth of Tom Brady, it looked like he had some derogatory things to say to, you know, Marshawn Lattimore. Nothing that 
any of us probably have, have, you know, I mean, I'm sure that we've said that phrase every once in a while in our lifetime, but I mean, it, it was Leonard Fournette. So it was Marshawn Lattimore and then it was Tom Brady. Marshawn Lattimore was covering Scotty Miller on a fly route. It looked like, looked like there might've been some pass interference. The Bucks, it was on the Bucks sideline. Tom Brady got upset. Tom Brady started running down the field, yelling at the ref, saying that that should be pass interference. Marshawn Lattimore seemed to have walked by Brady and said something. Brady heard it. Brady didn't like it. Brady then returned with, with a couple of, you know, words. Marshawn Lattimore probably returned with a couple of words. At that point, insert Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette then takes a little shove at, you know, Lattimore to get him off. Marshawn Lattimore retaliates and kind of shoves, you know, Leonard Fournette up in the face mask area. And then, like you said, here comes Mike Evans running from the sideline. He sees his opportunity and he hits and he, and he knocks Marshawn Lattimore on his butt. From there, the bench is clear and we have an all out brawl basically from both sides of the, uh, of, you know, the ball. So <clears throat> look, the Bucks and the Saints, their rivalry goes back way past the Tom Brady era. But it has intensified ever since Tom Brady has come here. And I don't think it helps that Jameis Winston is on the other side of the ball, too. Because Jameis Winston is now playing his former team every time he plays the Bucks, And it's with an in, an in-division rival. It's like if Aaron Rodgers doesn't retire after this year and he goes to the Minnesota Vikings. So he'd be pulling exactly what Brett Favre did. And we'd be reliving that all over again. Basically. Yeah, basically. So, okay, fine. Not, not the Vikings. I was trying to think of a, of a, like a, a contender that, you know, cause I think that the Vikings are one quarterback away from being a contender as much as you hate the Vikings. Do you agree with that? I would say so. They've got a solid defense. I feel like they've made some help on the back end with their, <clears throat> with their secondary. Cause they do have a pretty old secondary in general with Harrison Smith and Pat Pete. Yeah. But as far as everything else goes, yeah, I feel like if they had an elite-level quarterback, which Kirk Cousins wasn't a slouch last year, that's for sure. But Just don't put him in prime time. That, that's all That's all you yeah. have to do. As of right now, with that loss <clears throat> from, from um, Monday night, he's now 2-10 in Monday night football games. So don't put him in prime time. <laughs> no. Whatever you do, don't put Kirk Cousins in prime time. I am sure, as a Vikings fan... They are probably every time the schedule releases out, they are circling the primetime games and they're going, well, this is a loss. This is a loss. This is a loss. Okay. It looks like we have three to four losses this year automatically because it's in primetime. And unfortunately our quarterback cannot perform in primetime. I wonder why that is. It's so weird. Like Kirk cousins is a, actually a pretty good quarterback in the NFL, but for some reason, man, when he gets, when he gets in the bright lights, I just don't understand what's an even more alarming stat from that Vikings Eagles game. I hate to go off topic because I know that we were talking about our bucks and the Packers, but I have to talk about this game because I was just so impressed by what the Philadelphia Eagles did on both sides of the ball. But what is a more alarming stat is that Kirk Cousins was the lead rusher for the Minnesota Vikings, and that is a team that has Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Dalvin Cook ran the ball six times for 17 yards, and Kirk Cousins carried the ball two times for 20 yards. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where if you get <clears throat> you get down early, and then you start start going to the passing game, which they they clearly did when Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball forty six times in a game. Yeah, but at that point, I feel like even if you are down, you still have to have some faith in your running game because you do have such an electrifying running back in Dalvin Cook who can do virtually everything on a football field. Yeah. So at that point, I would try to put a little bit more faith into your star running back, but that's that's just my two cents on it. Control the tempo of the game. I feel like people want to abandon the running game so quickly anymore. But I think Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans have proven that if you just stick with the running game long enough, it's going to work. It's yeah, going to yeah. work. You'll you'll start controlling the tempo of the game. You'll start wearing out the defense a little bit because it's just a grind every single time that you run the ball. It's just a grind for both sides of the ball, especially the the offense and the defensive line. You know, and then it gives your wide it, it, it backs it, it presses the defense up a little bit closer, which then allows for bigger pass plays. And they have weapons. They have Justin Jefferson. They have Adam Thielen. It's not that it's not that the Vikings are hurting for weapons on the outside. But when you have a running back like Dalvin Cook in the backfield, give him the ball a little bit more. I don't care if you're down by a couple of scores. Give him the ball a little bit more. Trust in him. He can he can he can flip a switch and he can make a game changing play at any time that he touches the ball. That's just who Dalvin Cook is. I mean, that's the kind of running back that he is. So it's just so weird. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts and that Philadelphia Eagles offense, I mean, as far as statistically passing-wise, he didn't have, like, a, a phenomenal game. 333 yards, which is nothing to, you know, just kind of sweep underneath the rug. But he did only have one touchdown, one interception. But he did run it for two more touchdowns after that. I think Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles are a, a, a threat. Let's not forget, they made it to the wild card last year. They played the Bucks, which I don't. I, I don't think that it was fair. I really don't. The Bucks are more experienced. It was in Tampa. It was young, young quarterback, young team, young head coach. Probably the jitters got to them, you know. But if they make it to the wild card this year, and let's say the Bucks have to play them again, right now, I would be a little concerned to be honest with you. I definitely would be, and I feel like they're going to pr- probably run away with the NFC East or with flying colors at this point because there, there's nobody that's going to be able to to match with them offensively or even defensively, in my opinion. And you, even the, with the, what the Dallas Cowboys have on defense, they're, I don't think they can keep up. No, I don't think so either. I think that the Philadelphia Eagles are, are a team that definitely to watch out for. And that was a team that, if I'm not mistaken, we were both kind of on the fence about how we felt about them because we didn't know what Jalen Hurts was going to do. Yeah, and it seems like Jalen Hurts has taken that nice leap this year. So the sky's the limit for them at this point. The fly, Eagles fly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, there, there was a game that surprised me to kind of flip the script to another team that looked really good against a team that I thought was going to be a real nightmare of a team to play with this year. 
but they're not looking good, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. They got beat by the Jacksonville Jaguars 24 to nothing, and the Colts are currently sitting at a record of 0-1-1 with one loss and one tie, and that's coming up against their two opponents so far this season with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. What's going on with Indianapolis? What's going on with Matt Ryan? He threw for three interceptions on Sunday. I think they are what exactly what we thought they were going to be, and that they just lack any kind of significant weapons in their receiving room. Like uh, your best receiver is the at least the guy who produced the most, whoever Ashton Doolin. I'm not I'm not even sure who he is. Like <laughs> five catches for seventy nine yards, and that's the best you can get. And then you only give the ball to Jonathan Taylor nine times the entire game. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a real disappointment in fantasy this this week. Um, you know, I mean, only getting 54 yards. But if you look at it, nine carries, 54 yards. So the guy was averaging six yards a carry. So why did we abandon that? Why, uh, did, we, why did we go away from that and give Matt Ryan 30 passing attempts for only 195 yards and zero touchdowns with three interceptions? I just... Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. This I thought that the Indianapolis Colts were going to be a team this year because I really thought that they already had a team. They just needed that quarterback. And Carson Wentz, I didn't feel like, was that quarterback, even when he got to Indianapolis last year. But when they signed Matt Ryan, I was like, okay, Indy's going to be a team this year. I don't know, though, now. Because I don't think that the Jacksonville Jaguars or the, or the Houston Texans are going to be – in the playoff hunt come the end of the season. Their only saving grace to me is if say midway through the season, Odell is completely healthy. Maybe they go out and get Odell Beckham once he's completely healthy from his ACL. Cause they, they need some life in that receiving room, man. They need something that yeah. can't do everything for them. No. Well, I mean, it's, it's very clear that he can't do anything for him. He can't do everything for him. Now, I'm not trying to say that Michael Pittman is going to be a bad receiver. I just don't think he's a true number one in the league. I just don't think that that's the case yet. But someone who is kind of turning heads that is actually becoming a number one in the league, someone who we thought that got overpaid was uh, Christian Kirk. That man got six catches for 78 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. He seems to be Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy. Yeah, he seems to be his red zone target, just his number one target in general, and then I personally like the uh, the signing of Evan Ingram too. He's just a yeah. really top, a top end speedy tight end who can just go out there and catch footballs. You know, like he he does his thing out there. And even Mar- Marvin Jones is a nice veteran to have. Travis Etienne is coming into his own. James Robinson is also nice. So I think they have a nice little group here, and I like them coming into the season in the first place. And I felt like Trevor Lawrence was going to take a a really nice jump this year. And I feel like he most definitely has. Yeah, no, and he definitely has. And then on the other side of the ball, it's not overlooked what the defense has been doing. I mean, against the Indianapolis Colts, they've only, they only allowed nine first downs. They were two and they, they, they stopped. They only allowed two first downs on third downs out of 10 attempts by the Indianapolis Colts. And they got five sacks on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, are the Jacksonville Jack is your prediction for the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> of being this uh, of being the sleeper team coming to flourish in my friend? 
I hope did you, so. Did you did you have a magic eight ball and and did you see something that no one else saw? I, I feel like every year there's going to be just that that underdog team, the Cinderella story, and I, I Jacksonville might be it. Say say they do make it to the wild card or the divisional round of the playoffs. So who knows? If if that is the case, that is definitely a win for the Jacksonville Jaguars because I don't think they came into the season with any expectations of playoffs. No, I feel like they wanted to get get Doug Peterson in the building, get him affiliated with the team, try to get some sense of stability in the building after Urban Meyer's departure, and then yeah. kind of go from there, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's going to be exciting to see. I am definitely looking forward – to seeing what they do. They do play against the San Diego Chargers next week of uh, this coming Sunday in San Diego. So it's definitely going to be a fun matchup. I'm really curious to see what they do. It's definitely upping their competition level. Um, but one team that is making everyone, it, they're just solidifying their Super Bowl favorite favoritism right now. And that's the Buffalo Bills. Can anyone beat the Buffalo Bills right now, Anthony? Can anyone? Oh, first of all, I just want to say you said San Diego Chargers again in San Diego. Just, just want to point that out there. <sighs> I'm going to need to start putting like a money jar for every time that I say Oakland Raiders and San Diego Chargers. At least I'm consistent, Anthony. You know, yeah. some people are just inconsistent in this world, but you can rely on old David here, making sure that I stay consistent. As, even if I'm wrong, I still stay consistent. So you got to appreciate that out of me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. You know, unfortunately, uh, this bit now this Bills team is just—they're just on a warpath. They were projected to be the best team in football coming into the season, and they—they they are showing it. They have shown—they're showing it, and then some. I feel like. Yeah, defense is absolutely unreal. I mean, I good luck getting the first down on the defense, just period. And then the the connection between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen is next level. I I don't think I mean we we might be seeing some Randy Moss, Tom Brady kind of numbers come the end of this year if they both stay healthy. I mean, they are on a revenge tour and I'm not going to lie, Anthony, the Bucks and the Bills are are are, are the predictions in the Super Bowl. I don't know if I want to face face the Bills in the Super Bowl. I don't think anyone does. I hope I think people are more likely to be like, you know what? I hope they just go out in the divisional round. Yeah. The championship Some, again, and then we don't someone have to take them out. Right. Exactly. We, I mean, let's hope for some kind of a coin toss or something to happen that just doesn't go in their favor. But I mean, I mean, like really like, I mean, they, they went into Los Angeles and they beat, I mean, they, they beat the Rams 31 to 10 and then they come home, come back home for the home opener, and they beat the Tennessee Titans forty-one to seven. So they've only allowed seventeen points while scoring seventy-two points. They're just, they're, oh. they're dominant. And next week they go up against the Miami Dolphins, which I'm really curious to see. But if I was the Miami Dolphins, I would not be looking forward to this game. I, I wouldn't be either. I don't think any team is. Looking forward to it, and I think every offensive and defensive coordinator is having nightmares before they play the Buffalo Bills at this point. But 
like you were saying, Stephon Diggs is on a another level this year. Even without Gabe Davis, they beat him forty-one to seven. So they they relied on Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie, those guys to step up and play, and they they did. They sure did. Yeah, they really did. And James Cook started coming into the play a little bit more, which I'm actually a fan of James Cook. I know a lot of people are maybe off about him. They don't think that he's going to be who, um, you know, what the hype is about him. But I'm really curious to see what happens with him. But, I mean, <coughs> excuse me. If you um, – I just have to say this. I do apologize for our listeners. I am actually dealing with the head cold this week. So I know that I've been sniffling and coughing and everything. I do just bear with us this week. Um, so I'm just trying to push through right now. But, I mean, Stephon Diggs, he had 12 catches, and the next person next to him had four with Dawson Knox. I mean, he is the clear favorite of Josh Allen. Yeah, he's he's what 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 Devontae Adams was to Aaron Rodgers. Like they they have that kind of connection, honestly. And then you have a consistent running game and some other uh, pieces around Stephon Diggs that uh, Josh Allen can re- reliably throw to, and you make a perfect storm for just an elite offense, and then. You add in that defense with the secondary of Jordan Poyer and um, why am I why am I missing out on this? Tre'Davious White, uh, John Tre'Davious White, the other safety. Um, oh, uh, um, Hyde. Yeah, Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde. There you go. And Matt Milano, who's no scrub. Von Miller, which I think Von Miller has been the biggest <laughs> biggest piece that they've added to that defense, who's just going to put them over the hump, which. Von Miller has with every team that he's joined at this point. Yeah, and I mean he has. So I mean, the Bills are looking like the the the, the surefire Super Bowl winners this year, and that pains me to say because I know that this is Brady's last year. It might even pain you to say because it might be Rogers' last year. But I mean, who knows? But let's talk about Green Bay. They bounce back. Now, granted, it was against the Chicago Bears, and we all know who owns the Chicago Bears. But they did. They bounced back. They were looking a little bit ugly there in the beginning of the game, but they got it together and they bounced back. The second half was just a sleep show, though. They're not, I mean, that was probably the most boring second half of football that I've ever watched in my life. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they they stuck true to their promise, though. They ran the ball a lot more. They, they gave 15 carries to Aaron Jones and 18 to A.J. Dillon, and Rodgers ran the ball five times himself. So... <laughs> We are definitely coming to our own as a run-first football team. So, And I am all about it as long as Aaron Jones gets those uh, goal line touches because I need him to do good in my fantasy, and he did this week. So I definitely appreciate you, Aaron Jones. Keep doing those Lambo leaps, buddy. <laughs> and even Sammy Watkins kind of came into his own a little bit. Three catches with 93 yards. He's he's probably going to be our guy to, to get, you know get us down into the red zone. And let the running game do the rest of the work at that point, you know? Yeah, so is is he the number one or is Alan Lazard still the number one? What's going on with that? I think Lazard is going to be more – I feel like Lazard is going to be more of a red zone threat, if anything. Because when you, when you look at the game, he only had two catches, 13 yards, and a touchdown. Like I, I feel like he's like – once we creep into that 15, 20-yard line, that's when he's going to look to him. But Sammy Watkins might be – might be the number one if he is healthy. Yeah, I mean, maybe. 
which I mean, and well, like you said, if he is healthy, hopefully he does stay healthy. Um, but we, we shall see, but Alan Lazar definitely looks like maybe a red zone target, just like you said, because he did, he did get targeted by Aaron Rodgers Um, once he was down there, you know, in the red zone, Aaron Jones, uh, definitely had a really good game. Um, 15 carries for the one 132 yards and a touchdown plus the, uh, you know, three catches for 38 yards and another touchdown to add on to that. So let's hopefully, you know, let's hope that they continue to do that. On the other side, though, man, the Bears, Justin Fields did not look good. Only seven seven completions out of 11 attempts for only 70 yards and an interception. I mean, your your defense held him to under to hunt to under 80 yards. Yeah. <laughs> and they ran the ball a lot, which is really Kind of, uh, I wonder if that should be concerning to the Bears team, to the Bears fans, because when you're behind like that, you would think that maybe you would throw the ball a little bit more. Because at that point, it seems like a they don't trust Justin Fields, and but at the same time, every team that plays us, their number one objective is to keep the ball out of Rogers' hands. They want to control the clock and just. Yeah, just control the game at that point and just do not let Rodgers touch the football. Well, yeah, I mean, and that makes sense, but that plan didn't work. I mean, time of possession, 32, 37 minutes for Packers versus the 22 minutes for the Bears. And I think so is the Packers' rush defense good? I haven't really honestly been paying too much attention. Are they I'm, good this year? I mean, it wasn't awful. I'm, but I mean, when you're giving David Montgomery eight yards a carry, now I don't know if that's just out of pure garbage time, or garbage yards at that point. But eight yards a carry out of him, and then uh, Khalil Herbert getting nine and a half yards a carry, I I, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't seem too good to me. Yeah, well, and it's good sign for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for next week if uh, they they wanted to have Lenny, you know, just kind of control that game. He did send out that tweet. Leonard Fournette did send out that tweet to all of his fantasy owners saying that touchdowns are coming soon. So just kind of stay with him there for a little bit. So maybe it's a good sign for the Bucks, man. And we all know, man, Aaron Rodgers just does not like the heat. I have no fear whatsoever. I don't have any fear whatsoever about that game. I don't, we shall see. I don't know, maybe. We because, shall see. This offense is going to be evolving week by week of just trying to find an identity of what they want to do. And I, I feel like right now they're going to try to lean on the running game as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Bucks defense is really good against the run. So I don't know. It's going to be a fun game to watch. And especially it's going to be really um, curious to see how it plays out if – Chris Godwin and Julio Jones are out because Mike Evans is for sure out. I don't see him winning that appeal. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't see him winning that appeal. So, I mean, he did get a fine 65,000 on top of the one game suspicion suspension. So usually when a fine starts to come into play, you know, they, 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 they pretty much stand on their um, verdict at that point. So, Looking at the games next week, though, outside of the Bucks versus Packers game, because obviously that's the game that me and you are going to be watching. It is the game of the week. I'm going to be watching from a closer standpoint. I will be working that game. Um, I will not 
go into detail about what I will be working um, in or what I'll be doing there, but I will be there at Raymond James Stadium for the home opener for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I am very excited. That crowd is going to be electric, and I'm just ready to be, be there and just feel the buzz in that stadium. So outside of that game, which is going to be the game of the week, Bucks versus Packers. Outside of that game, which game are you looking forward to the most, Anthony? Which game kind of perks your interest a little bit to see the two teams battle? It's I, I don't know because I, I would say the Sunday night game with the Broncos and the 49ers because Nathaniel Hackett even came out and said I'd be ashamed of us too. Like like they they have not produced to the level of what we thought they were going to. But the only other sleeper I see is the do the Jags pull off an upset against the Chargers? <laughs> do, the, do they continue the Cinderella story? I don't know, but we'll it's a wait and see. Yeah, that one will be nice to see. The one that I'm actually looking at is the Buffalo Bills versus the Dolphins. I want to see what the Dolphins do against a team that is on just an absolute just trailblaze right now. I mean, they are they're out for blood. And but what I saw last week from the Miami Dolphins and that offense, I'm really curious to see what happens because Tyreek Hill came from the Chiefs and the Chiefs were the Achilles heel, heel of the Buffalo Bills. So I'm sure that he has some kind of secrets against the Buffalo Bills. So I'm curious to see what happens. I feel like it's more likely to end in a in a shootout versus a defensive slugfest. You know, not, not yeah. taking anything away from the Bills, but when you have that many weapons on the field, I don't care how good of a defense you have, that somebody's going to be open on every single play. Like when you have that much speed and playmaking ability. And with what Josh McDaniel has, uh, Mike McDaniel has been doing with that team, I feel like he's going to take them to a whole nother level if he hasn't already. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if I should say it. I want to be surprised if the Miami Dolphins came away with an upset this week. I know that the Buffalo Bills are looking like the, the, the team to beat, but. I don't know, man. Something about the Miami Dolphins this year. With Mike McDaniels, like you said, <clears throat> at, you know, coach. I feel like it's the right coach for Tua. They have all of the pieces around them. They have a good they have a solid defense. And um it's in Miami. And it's an divisional game. So again, those divisional games can go fifty fifty. You never know what's gonna come out of them. So I'm really curious to see what happens with that game. But on the flip side of that, I want to be surprised if the Buffalo Bills won't beat some 52 to 10. So it's just one of those games that it's going to be, okay, I can see an upset going, or I can just see an absolute bolt blowout by the Buffalo Bills. I don't see the Miami Dolphins beating them, beating the brakes off of the Bills, though. No. I just don't see that. No. So, but, well, Anthony... It's always fun. It's always a good time with you. Again, I'm sorry for all the little coughs and, and sniffles and everything else like that. Hopefully come, you know, 
Friday when we when we record for our um Saturday episode. I will be completely done with this, but I've had a lot of fun with you, Anthony, man. I look forward to these every single week. And now that we're in football season, it just makes it that much better. I couldn't have put it any better myself, man. This is almost like a a little dream come true. You know, I just have somebody else to talk football with somebody to express my emotions every week about football, whether we win or lose, you know, fantasy, all that good stuff. And I couldn't. Yeah. Really Speaking of started fantasy Owen three in the three leagues that I'm in won every game last week. So I went three and oh last week. So righted the ship last week, put up 192 points because I had Lamar Jackson, Jalen Waddle, Mark Andrews, um, Allen Robinson. I mean, one team put up almost 200 points and it felt really good. Yeah. And then on my end, I had George Kittle who was out. Jonathan Taylor gave me about five points. And, Solid. Um, Gabe Davis was out against the against the Titans. So, yeah, I know. I saw that, man. I, uh, <laughs> you know what? I was feeling that same pain last week. There's always next week. Don't worry about it, buddy. the The season is still young. You don't forget about that either. Whether your team is two and zero, zero and two, one and one, whatever the case may be, keep your head up. The season is still young. Anything can happen. Any given Sunday, your team could win. The Jets beat the Bills, or the Jets beat the Browns when they were down two possessions with two minutes to go with no timeouts left. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Indianapolis Colts 24-0. to Anything can happen. The Bucks finally beat the Saints. The Bears still lost to the Packers, though. Yeah, we still own them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next time, Bears fans. Maybe next time. But until next time, we hope you guys have a great week. We hope you guys continue to enjoy us. We appreciate all the supporters. We're starting to build a little community, as I've been saying these past couple of weeks, and we can't appreciate it. We, we, can't, we can't thank you guys enough for your support, the energy that you guys bring um, from the, the feedback that you give us and everything else like that. It's so much fun. Follow us on Twitter at talk underscore DNA. Follow us on Instagram, DNA underscore football talk. We are going to continue to work on different segments for you guys. We're brainstorming about different things that we can possibly bring into the podcast. Maybe some fantasy experts that we know, maybe some, you know, college people that we know, you know, we're, we're just trying to brainstorm a little bit. We're trying to bring you guys more entertainment. We're trying to branch ourselves out a little bit more, but we're having fun with it at the end of the day. So, but we appreciate your your feedback. We appreciate your guys' support. We love you guys. And until next time, Anthony, have a good one, sir. Mm-hmm.